Hello, this is A.R. Bernard, and welcome to my podcast. My objective, it's simple, to create a platform where you can be educated, informed, and inspired as you navigate the intersection of faith and culture. If you have no faith, maybe you'll find it here. So, thanks for tuning in. Good morning, grace and peace. Happy Father's Day to all the men out there. Thank you so much. Being a father is not easy. But being a father is fun. I had fun. <laughs> I had fun messing with you guys. You so do. Welcome. Yes, welcome. <laughs> to this welcome. morning service. Yes. This Sunday that is in America, Father's Day. Yes. I think it's also celebrated in other countries around the world. Yeah, it is. I don't assume that, you know, that we are celebrating globally. It's a global <laughs> holiday. But thank God that our American society we'll have holidays like Mother's Day, like mm-hmm. Father's Day, where we honor family. Because yes. that's really what it's about. It's about the family. So thank you, individual. I was looking on the chat from uh, somebody's from Trinidad, Tobago, ah. uh, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and all over the globe. Excellent, excellent. And we're taking, we're having a new members class today, and we're taking in new members, and those new members are local, and those new members are global. So we have families joining us from around the world, and that's why our internet campus is so important, and we're gonna continue to build that out, and we're gonna empower those who are not local so that they can minister to their families or minister to their communities in their context. So we're gonna be supplying them with a lot of guidance and equipment. Equipment. I'm excited about that. Excellent. So, it's Father's Day. Happy yes. Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> uh, I got a question for the people. What was the scariest part of being a father? The scariest part of being a father? Yes. You're asking the people or you ask? Oh, from the people? From the people. Not messing it up. Not messing it up. Not messing it up. And in a man's mind, we don't want to ever be found incompetent. So it's important to us that we get it right. Even while we're messing it up, <laughs> we're still in our mind. We want to get it right. So, you know, it, it goes back to Jesus saying the, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Yes. So there's that tension and that word spirit there uh, in the Greek in that text is the, the rational soul. That part of the soul, the mind, will, and emotion is the soul that allows us to deliberate and reason. You know, so the motivation, the reasoning is there, but to carry it out, our human nature can undermine it. Mm-hmm. And we live in that tension. That's a real tension to this day. No matter how holy you get, no matter how <laughs> spiritual you get, you live in that tension. You can't get any more spiritual than Jesus. You can't get more complete than Jesus. And yet he demonstrated that there were tensions when he was asking the father to, you know, find another way other mm-hmm. than the cross. I mean, you know, um, when, when, when he had to withdraw himself because he was so overwhelmed by the demands of ministry. People don't realize it. You read it, the gospel. He withdrew himself. He just yeah. went off and said, I need to, I need to step away from this. That's very, very real, folks. So, what are we going to talk about today? Are we going to continue to talk about power? But first of all, yesterday, uh, here in America, was the celebration of Juneteenth. Yes. And Juneteenth is a combination of June 19th, Mm -hmm. 
1865, actually, when one of the military leaders makes it down to Galveston, Texas, yep. two years after the Emancipation Proclamation, and lets the slaves there know that they're free. Yep. So for two years, they, they were didn't free know. and didn't know it. Mm -hmm. that, boy, I could preach that message. Yeah, that's a serious message. To be declared free and not know it. And not know it. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yes, yes. Because even with us, we gotta we gotta catch up to the reality of our freedom, with which Christ has set us free. Mm -hmm. So um, it's it's celebrated now. It is a national holiday that uh, President Biden has signed into law, and to be commemorated and celebrated. So yeah. a lot's happening to revisit uh, American history, yes. and I say revisit it. And, and, and bring the full story to it yep. because it's been mixed. I'm, I'm, I'm re reading some information where the history was purposely changed and disseminated in the early part of the 19th century. And, and I think that's why we can't feel that we have arrived. Right. right. Uh, we, we, f we still have to fight the fight. We still have to go forward to make sure that the proper story, the American story, is, is, is pushed. And that's why we got to be mindful of what we're trying to cancel out at the same time. Yeah. You know, because that canceling, canceling culture is, is, can remove some details that respond to the why in another story. We can't look to whitewash, yes. no pun intended, American history mm -hmm. by removing all of the bad, evil yep. stuff. You know, um, if, if you want to see how history is considered by God, read the Bible. Mm -hmm. It is raw. There are some things that go on in the Bible that we still have to try and explain because it was filled with violence mm -hmm. and, 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 and discrimination and marginalization and disenfranchisement and war. And all of the elements of human society, fallen human society, are found in the scripture. Yep. And then is is talking about today is Father's Day. Some people were, um, some men were wrestling with the idea that it's Juneteenth, right, the day before Father's Day, and we already have so much competing with the aspect of fathers, fatherhood, to the point that the day of Father's Day is not celebrated the same way. So for Mother's Day, you can't get a reservation. <laughs> cannot get a reservation. You can go to you know, all the restaurants, all from high end to low end right? restaurants. It's just packed. But Father's Day, that'll come right in. You know, so now you got Juneteenth, and you got Father's Day, and it's like you know. So the tension was there. They were happy for uh, another step towards uh, you know the the, the storyline for what really happened in blacks in America. But the tension, there's another tension. Okay, what, what about the celebrating of fathers? Especially the time where we look at society and the, 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 the role of the father is trying to be changed mm -hmm. and um, mm -hmm. redeveloped. It's, it's ironic because Dr. Cole said this years ago, and it's not until you know, recent years that I really appreciate that statement. He said, if you want to understand the way society is going, look at the home. Yeah. Yeah, and, he that's said, good. and he said, if you want to understand right. the way the home is going, look at the father. Boom. <laughs> Boom. And we need to unpack that yes. statement because, you know, society is in a flux right yep. now. Yep. And, and, and yeah, we have to look at the family. Mm -hmm. we have to look. There are three institutions that uh, are towards the ordering of society. 
You've got government, mm -hmm. you've got family, and you've got the church. And those three institutions are critical to the ordering of society. Government's role, oh boy, we, we, are yeah. we jumping in? You're I was gonna ask to. you, I was gonna say, there are four things that women want from a man. <laughs> but the question is, what are the four things that men want from women? Uh, Boy, it got quiet. Because I don't even quiet. think it's four. <laughs> <laughs> I will we're, tell you. We're simple. Yeah. <laughs> no well, offense. That's no offense, please. Don't, no we, offense. We, we only want, we, we want, we want two things, mm -hmm. right? We want a woman's love and we want respect. And that's the big thing. Yeah, we want love, but we want and we need respect. And that's where the tension is often, especially if we're not doing things that, you know, inspire respect. I don't mm -hmm. want to say earn, yep. but inspire respect. Because the woman will say, well, I'll, I can't respect him because of this, that, and the other. But the Bible is clear. We have to dig into that one day. I have to write another book, right? <laughs> but think about it. Uh, he wants love. And, and love and respect is like, like, like food and water, right? For a man, love is like food. Respect is like water. Mm -hmm. You can go for a while without food, mm -hmm. but you can't go without water. You can go a couple of days. <laughs> you can't go without water. You can go without, you know, you need water. Mm -hmm. So it's the same way that a man needs respect. And that becomes a challenge. The number one cause for divorce in our society is a loss of respect. So what, what do we mean by that? Respect means to, to honor, to, to uh, and it's not subjugation and submission. That's not it. Your mom and I, you know, next year we celebrate 50 years of marriage. We established up front and said, look, these are the boundaries and we're going to respect those boundaries. We're not going to ever use profanity towards each other. We're not going to uh, call each other out of name. We're not going to do anything of that because when we do that, we're in trouble. The relationship is in trouble. So we want, all right, ladies, listen up. Here's what men want. <laughs> we want, number one, for women to learn to respect our judgment. Number one, we want them to learn to respect our judgment. Because women, you tend to second guess us. Are you sure? Second guess us all the time. And you don't give us the space to grow mm -hmm. in our judgment if you're always challenging that judgment. Remember, I said men want to feel, in, want to feel competent, not incompetent, mm -hmm. especially when it comes to their relationship with a woman. They don't want the woman to think that they can't handle it, that they're incompetent. And that's why if, if we're driving and we keep circling the same place, <laughs> a woman says, uh, you know, let's get some help. Let's, let's ask for directions. What is the man concerned about that you're saying? I, I'm not competent enough, you know? <laughs> and yeah, it's a tension because, you know, God said men need help. So women become a help me. But because they're nurturers, mm -hmm. and, and, and especially when you have family, all right, children, what are they doing to the children? Nurturing them and correcting them. What can that tend to transfer to? The relationship with the husband. Mm -hmm. Nurturing him and correcting him. So we want you to respect our judgment. Now, men, that means you got to step up in your judgment. 
in the decisions that you're making for yourself and for the welfare, the good of your family. All right, so that's very, very important. We, along with that, we want women to respect our abilities, that we have the capacity to do what needs to be done when it comes to our family, to leading our family, to making decisions. You see, we wouldn't have that issue if, again, women tend to second guess, you know, are you sure? And, 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 and that's helpful um, when it comes to, you know, did you, because I don't know if it's with you, but when I'm leaving, leaving the house to, to go to work or, you know, do something, uh, mommy's going down a list yep. of all the things. Did, mm-hmm. you, did you remember to take this? Did you remember? This? So women feel the need to constantly remind us. And too often that can be, you know, shifting us to their child and not their, their spouse. Yeah, and because as you balance it, you know, the, the, there's the idea that, when there's major decisions, yeah, let's let's you know, let's really talk about this. Let's second guess, you know. So don't just don't go buy a home, and you know, and and then your wife is not a part of the thing, and then she's now going to have to be forced to ask questions. Yeah, and yeah, so there is a, the the balance between okay, let's let's have this conversation, and you know, when women bring it to the point where okay, having a conversation instead of just saying, "Are you sure?" You know, second guessing it, it changes that the dynamics. But see, that's why. What are the four things that women want from a man? Maturity, decisiveness, consistency and strength. Mm-hmm. When they're not getting that, then they'll tend to second guess, they'll tend to remind, they'll tend to start playing that role to draw that out of him. You see, but at the same time, the man still wants her to respect his judgment, mm-hmm. respect his ability, and he wants respect in communication. When a man is disrespected by a woman in communication, he shuts down. Mm-hmm. And he'll, he'll do two things. He'll either shut down all right, or escalate, and then he can resort to physical force, which never should, or verbal, and he can't out-talk the woman. We can't out-talk her, guys. Forget it, all right? Her, her we, we have physical power as our means of protection, all right, and response. What do they have? Verbal power. <laughs> That's their weapon, all right? The verbal power is their weapon. So we don't, we don't do that, but when a woman will disrespect the man in communication, he'll shut down and he'll withdraw. And, and he'll put up, you know, walls of defense between it. It's not going to work that way. And so, so respect with our judgment, our, our ability in communication and in public. The worst thing a woman could do is disrespect the man in public. That's why your mom and I already established that we're never going to argue in front of y'all or in front of people. We're going to wait till we get home, and we're going to talk about it. We can unpack. And there, you know, she can express her, mm-hmm. her, her hurt, her anger, or whatever. So you have to have boundaries in relationship. You have to have rules that govern that relationship if you're going to preserve that relationship. That's a whole detail. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's true because um, you, you talk about nurture and nature, right? So uh, from the n- nature perspective, there's certain proclivities that you tend to right, have. Right, and we, we, you know, with Minister Sheldon down in Florida, we have uh, in Osiris State, we have a, uh, a man cave conversation every other Wednesday. And we were talking about the different things that men don't do because they're worried about losing respect. But I think it breeds more respect. So one of the brothers came on and he said, look, you know, if my father would have talked to me, because remember, there's the ner- nature Right. With certain proclivities that we have to wrestle with as individuals. And then you got the nature. And when we look at kids, they are either taught consciously or subconsciously. 
right? So there's this this direct conversation with the kid, you know, don't do this, this is how you do this, and and then but the subconscious affects them deeper because they're observing the lifestyle of the father and and, and the man said, I never realized what my father taught me. And if he would have had a conversation with me to express this is what he wrestles with as a man, I think I would have been more focused on that and 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 um addressing it myself and I wouldn't end up like him and doing the things he did, you know, whether it was with female relationships mm -hmm. or just running the streets and things like that. He said, if it wasn't, if it, my father would have had a conversation like I'm having now with my son, mm -hmm. explaining my struggles, what I wrestle with to help him and direct him. And so, and I think that built more respect with him and his son and his wife than not saying anything at all. He earned it. Yes. He earned it. And that's the problem uh, because one of the qualities necessary for any leader especially a man in a home, all right, is humility. If you're not willing to humble yourself and be transparent and vulnerable to a degree, you can't, you know, download on your children, but be transparent and vul vulnerable enough to have conversations like that and express, this is, these are my challenges. This is what it real. But then again, a, a man may feel that if he does that, it'll make him seem incompetent, that he doesn't have the ability or the capacity or that he's coming across weak. So there's a dynamic there that takes place in that interaction that men struggle through. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, guys, you can't keep it to yourself. You can't bottle it up. You have to be able to communicate. Dr. Cole taught us that communication is the basis mm -hmm. for life. That's so, so important yeah. um, when it comes and, to this. And But I think what happens is as the man expresses, you know, to a level based on the maturity of the child and the age range of the child, of what he deals with, and the son says, okay, this is what my father struggles with, and sees him overcoming those struggles, yeah. right? It, it creates a different blueprint yeah. of how to be an overcomer as a, as, a, as a young man growing up. And it's affected generationally, mm -hmm. because you could have one generation that men don't cry, mm -hmm. all right? Men are never weak. And we've had that. We've seen that in American society, culturally. And, and that prohibits him because there's a norm that's being imposed on him very subtly, but it's being imposed on him in a way that, you know, well, I can't let my family see me cry or weak or anything like that. And then he passes that on to his child instead of being understanding with that young boy. All right. He, he's passing the same thing on. Oh, don't men don't cry. You know, don't be weak, <laughs> you know, straighten up. And so it, it, it passes from generation to generation. And that's the family. So now today, the millennial generation, you know, they're about openness and vulnerability and transparency, sometimes to a fault. <laughs> but it's about communicating and, and sharing. And in many cases, if a man doesn't balance that carefully with wisdom, it can overwhelm the woman. The very mm -hmm. woman that he's trying to be transparent and vulnerable with can become overwhelmed by that transparency and that vulnerability. And she says, okay, I'm out of here. <laughs> Exit. You know, so this is very, very, very real. And how do we get into this, man? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know. Oh, <laughs> we're talking about the two things women uh, want from a man. The four things. Respect, oh, yeah, two things. respect and, and love. love. You went over respect. Men, men want to be loved. We absolutely want to be loved. But interestingly, oddly enough, we feel loved when we're respected. Mm. So a man... Will, will make decisions based upon the degree to which that woman in his life respects him. And he responds to that. And when he feels that he's respected by that woman, he's open. 
to her criticism. He's open to constructive criticism. He's open to her judgment. Mm -hmm. He's open to her input. But if she doesn't feel, if he doesn't feel respected by her, he'll close it down. Mm -hmm. he'll, he'll push it away. And I, th I think that's why it's so key to understand the love language of each other in the, the household. Yeah. Uh, you know, because, you know, men feel loved when they respect, also through um, physical interaction, mm -hmm. right? It was it's high on the man's chart. And the women have to take that in consideration. And that's a struggle for women because I don't feel like it. I'm tired. I, I, don't, I don't feel that, you know, things like that. So that's well, another think about test. It. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 33 says, husbands love your wives. Mm -hmm. And then it says, wives respect your husbands. So it's not saying wives love your husband back. No, it's saying wives respect your husband. And in that, that, that verse there, and it's supported by other passages, it's saying what they need most. A man, what a man needs most is respect, then love. What a woman needs most is love, then respect. Because if he loves her, she'll feel respected by him. Mm -hmm. The other way around. If the man is respected by the woman, he will feel loved by her. And that's crazy because, mm -hmm. you know, there's a tension there. That, that continues, and we have to be careful of. All right, so the three, the, the, the segue, let's move on. The three, the three institutions, government, All right, yeah. family, let's, let's understand this. and so church. Today's Father's Day, and, you know, why are we talking about all this? Because father is foundational to the family. Mm -hmm. so, so you have, the, what are the, 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 the God-given institutions for the ordering of society? And that's the, that's the war that we have. Those are the culture wars that we've been in for the longest time here in America. Everybody has their own opinion as to how society should be ordered and what are the best ways to live in it. Mm -hmm. So we have political parties that are saying this is best, uh, opposite political parties saying, no, this is best. And then we have special interest groups saying this is best. And we have the media weighing in. But God, who created all of this, he established a particular order. And, and <coughs> the, the, the crazy thing is, we, we, as we look at things unfolding, the two major areas that really affect the life of the household is what they're attacking between church and the family structure. Yep. Yep. They're redefine, trying to redefine church and what we're allowed to do, what we can't do. Ah, and they're redefining you know, the, the household and what the household could, could look like. You know, and, just, and I, I ministered this before, just because... Uh, an exception works. Oh. The exception should never become the rule, right? So I'm not saying that women can't raise a household. Women can't raise a young man. But just because that's an exception, whenever you make the exception the rule, you, 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 you start breeding chaos. Yeah, yeah. You know, we, we, we have the, the ideal. Mm -hmm. And the ideal is an intact family unit. Now, a woman may say, well, I don't want to deal with a family. Does that make her any less a woman? Is she wrong for that? No. There are giftings where, you know, she can be on her own. But there are other problems. There are problems that, look, there are problems that come with being married. <laughs> and there are problems that come with being single. Yes. So it's not like, you know, one way or the other gets you off any hook. There are issues and circumstances and realities that are associated with both. So if you choose to be single, all right, if you don't feel called to marriage and family, all right, that's wonderful, but there are challenges mm -hmm. to that. If you, call, you feel called to family and, 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 and marriage, 
That's wonderful, but there are problems with that. So each comes with their own situation. So when we think about government, we think about the ordering of society, all right? Number one, the, the, the role of, primary role of government is to, number one, restrain evil. Jesus says good and evil coexisting. Mm-hmm. And in fact, commingling. That's a whole nother study. <laughs> All right, the wheat and the tear. Mm-hmm. He said, let them grow together. Don't remove them. Let them grow together. So we need, we need, you know, institutions within the, the society to order that society, right? So government's responsibility is to restrain evil. Second responsibility of government is to preserve order. Because if we don't preserve order, we'll have disorder, mm-hmm. we'll have chaos. So there has to be order. So government there to preserve order. And thirdly, government is to promote the common, I mean, you know what? I'm not even gonna say common good. I'm gonna say promote justice. Because when you think about justice, you're talking about the common good, mm-hmm. all right? So essentially, government is there to what? Restrain evil, evil, to preserve evil. order, and to promote justice. Change that, to promote justice. And that's the common good. Because when you think about justice, what's just, what's fair, what's equitable within the society, you're thinking about the common good. And, and that's why the, the, the framework is God-given, but if you put people in these systems and structures, who are broken and wounded, mm-hmm. what are they gonna do? Their selfishness, their yep. greed, all of the, the, the results of the fallen human nature are going to end up in these systems and structure. So they'll so restrain evil, but it can be influenced by their own agenda, by their personal ambitions, mm-hmm. et cetera. Yeah, preserve order, but they may choose to order it in a way <laughs> that benefits them personally before it benefits society. Mm-hmm. Whole idea of things trickling down to the, to the masses, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, promote justice, yeah. How do we define justice? What does justice look like? So if we have people who have one view of justice in the government, in power, right? And we have people who have a different view of justice, then we, we have a tension, we have mm-hmm. a conflict. So in, in our nation today, these are the problems, these are the tensions, because people have their own opinions. And that's why we need a divine standard. We need a transcendent standard. That's why when God gave the law of Moses, it was powerful in that it was a written code that looks at all of these things. Our relation, their, the Jews' relationship with God as a people, as a nation, all right? Uh, so he gave them uh, a religious law, right? The laws of worship, uh, ceremonial laws. He gave them uh, civil law, right? In terms of interaction with each other. Uh, within the family structure and society. He laid all of that down to them, what? To order their society. So government is, is, we need government. We need government to restrain evil, to preserve order, all right? To promote justice. That's why when things go wrong and evil breaks out in our local community, we we call the cops, (laughs) dial 911. We have all these systems. Mm -hmm. But the problem is how is that evil being restrained? All right, so if they're using excessive force, 
That's a problem, all right? If they're, if they're using excessive force or unscrupulous means to preserve that order, that's a problem. Mm -hmm. If they're taking away, if they're doing it in, in, uh, in unjust ways, that's a problem. But this is essentially the purpose and role of government. And that's why we have to challenge that. And the, the beauty of the American system, all right, is we have a legislative branch, we have a judicial branch, we have an executive branch, and it was, it was like a co-equal trinity, each responsible to hold the other you know, accountable. Mm -hmm. But what happens when one branch of government becomes too powerful? Then that, that accountability is no longer there. It's upset. So if the president becomes too powerful, that's a problem. If the court system becomes too powerful, that's a problem. Mm -hmm. If the legislative branch becomes too powerful, that's a problem. So God established government in a very powerful way. And I don't even, where, where are we on time? I don't know where we yeah, are. Eight minutes. Getting into all this, because this will, we'll revisit this when we talk about power and, and how power is, is, is experienced within society, right? So that's government. And what is family? Family, you know, family is the, is, is the first place that we experience community. First place we experience community first place we experience authority, some type of rule, some type of discipline, some type of order. Where does that take place? It takes place within the family, you know, and, and what are we doing? The family's also restraining evil, you know, because what do you, what are you told? Can you control your kids? You know, we look to the parents when the children go out there and do wrong. A little kid goes to the store and, mm -hmm. and shoplifts or, 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 or gets into a fight or whatever. We, do, we go back to the parents. Why? Because the role of the family is also to restrain evil and by doing that, preserve order as well. Preserve order as well. And, and the family unit also instills... Basic values that the children who grow up in the society will apply in their relationship with society. So the family is critical. And the way God designed it, he designed a father foundational to the society. What did Jesus say? In my father's house, mm -hmm. right? So the father is the foundation to the family unit and the house is under the responsibility and accountability of the father. And please understand, all right, it doesn't make a woman or the wife, you know, subservient to her husband. No, before the fall, Adam and Eve were co-equal, mm -hmm. right? They're ontologically equal, equal in being, equal in person and to be respected as such. But they function differently. They have different roles. Right? And that's, that's so important. And we lose that in society. So what is the church? The church brings a moral value consensus. Essentially, for us as Christians, the church uh, it proclaims the, the kingdom or the rule of God, the order of God. So what does the church remind a society of? We answer to a higher power. Yeah. That's what the church does. The church says... We answer to a higher power. And that's important because it, it, in our American system, we, we, we have, you know, uh, free capital market and, and then we have, you know, liberal democracy and, 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 that, and those two 
fight with each other. There's a tension between them, right? And then you have all the degrees of tension and positions in between. But what does the church do? The church, religion, we bring a moral value consensus, which is necessary for peace and concord. So here you have what? You have government, you have family, and you have the church, the role of spirituality and religion within the society. So think about this, all right? What, what is, let, let, me, let me go, what, what, is, what is society? What is, what is culture, all right? Culture is the, the, the personality of a society, it's character, all right? So when Jesus said to the, 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 the religious leaders, he said, you can, you can read the sky and tell what the weather's going to be, mm-hmm. but you cannot discern the uh, signs of mm-hmm. the times. And what are the signs of the times? They are prophetic indicators. And I say prophetic indicators because they are going to tell us the direction the society's going in and what we could expect in the future. Yep. So these are prophetic indicators that emanate from the character or personality of the culture. And that's how we understand a culture. Culture is, is the total personality and character of a society. Number one, it's traditions. It's traditions. Number two, it's attitudes. Number three, it's customs. Number four, it's social institutions. Essentially, this, this is what culture is. It's the personality and character of a society. It's, it's traditions are what that culture believes and passes on from generation to generation, what it believes about the human person, mm-hmm. right? Yesterday, we, we celebrated Juneteenth here. Why? Because there was a time when the tradition of American society is that they did not value black life. Mm-hmm. All right? That was official. That was legal. That was in the systems and structures. That was real. Now, today, you know, we've, we've come a long way, but that's still stuck in a portion of the psyche of American society that black lives are inferior to white lives. And that's why we have, you know, yep. the philosophy, not the ideology, but the philosophy that black lives matter. So traditions are what we believe as society and what we pass on from generation to generation. What we believe about the, the person, the life and dignity of the human person, the worth of the human person. What we believe about family, what we believe about society at large, what we believe about crime, what we believe about everything. Those show up in our traditions. Our attitudes, the attitudes of society, what does that society desire? What, what is a driving force within that society in terms of its ambitions, where it wants to go to, what it wants to be, what it wants to accomplish? What does that society like, look like? You know, we have, we have the, the phrase, the American dream. Mm-hmm. You know, is that the consensus of the society? Is that the desire? Well, liberty, freedom. You know, life, the pursuit of happiness, mm-hmm. you know, and it's in- interesting because in the Declaration of Independence where that's, we find that statement that we have a right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that statement follows the initial statement upon which is founded, and that is the equality of all human beings. 
So you can't not, you cannot have that right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness without establishing the equality of all human persons. Mm -hmm. And that's where we kind of overlooked it. But again, we're broken human beings. So, so our traditions are, are what we believe, what we pass on from generation to generation, what we believe about family, what we believe about government, what we believe about the church, those three institutions for the ordering of society. All right, that's passed on from generation to generation. Uh, what, what we desire, our customs are what we actually do. What are acti the activities that we're engaged in? We could look at say, okay, you, you say this, but this is what you're practicing. This is what you're doing, right? And our institutions are a reflection of how, how we live, whether it's our educational institutions, our, our economic systems, all of those things that are in place. So when Jesus talked about understanding the times, he discerned the spirit of the times, the spirit of this world is what he called it, and the spirit of God. He saw the clear distinction between the two. And that's why we as Christians, we have to see the difference. But you can't really see it, all right, until, unless you're born again. The kingdom is the rule of God, the sovereignty of God. Jesus said when he was casting out demons and they, and they were accusing him of doing it by, by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, right? Mm -hmm. He said, if I, Jesus said, if I with the finger of God, which is one of the, um, <laughs> you know, identities of the Holy Spirit, if I with the finger of God cast out demons, then surely the kingdom of God, the rule of God, the sovereignty of God has now come. So Jesus was announcing that because he, the king, and the kingdom was in him, came to the earth, God's rule has now come to human society and within human history. All right. So what did he also say? He said, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom. So unless you are converted and renewed in spirit and go through the new birth, all right, you cannot see the, the, the rule of God at work, but it's at work. Mm -hmm. So the rest of the world doesn't see it, but we see it. We should, as believers, we look and we see, wow, that's the spirit of God. And what is the spirit of God? He's peace. He's righteousness, right? He's joy in the Holy Spirit. So anywhere that there is a work towards justice and equity and celebration of the life and dignity of the human person, that's the Holy Spirit. That's why I say we've been good at knowing what the Holy Spirit does in the church, mm -hmm. all right, and in the, in the individual believer, but we haven't understood the work of the Holy Spirit in the world. And he is very busy and active in the world since the time of Pentecost when he was released in this administration that we're under right now. So when we think about culture, we think about all of these things. And we pass this stuff on from generation to generation. So what's happening in society? We, during the, the, feminist, uh, the feminist revolution, right? That goes back to the 70s and 80s. Actually, start, a lot start, the sexual revolution that started in the 60s. We're redefining sex, mm -hmm. all right? That is strictly for pleasure mm -hmm. and casual. We are redefining the family. The family is a matter of convenience or inconvenience, so I don't want to be inconvenienced, so I don't want a family. We are redefining human relationships, human identity. America, since the 1960s, we are redefining everything and it's leading to chaos. Yep. And that's why the church has to be the voice of reason, the voice of order, the voice of values, the voice of, 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 of rational, the, the rational soul. All right, connecting with the rule of God and saying, God knows best.
I'm preaching here. <laughs> wow. So that's why fathers are so important in society because they are foundational to the family unit and the family unit is foundational to the ordering of society. So can you imagine if a child grows up without discipline, without authority, without community, without learning that, that they can't be selfish, that it's about sharing, it's about the common, the good of the family and not just you. All of those are basic values that that child learns within the context of the family. And if it doesn't learn that there, where's it gonna learn? Mm -hmm. On the streets, out in society, that's redefining all of these things? That's a problem. And we've, we've, got, we've got a cultural crisis right now. And I will tell you, in my devotional time, and I'll share this with you, I feel strongly in my spirit that there's something happening, always happening in the realm of the spirit, but something specific to God giving an opportunity of witness to human society to wake up to the reality that there is a judgment coming. There is a reckoning. You know what I mean? And I don't mean judgment in, 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 in the way that, you know, we've abused that term, the wrath of God. Yeah. Well, look, you go to court, there's a judgment mm -hmm. on the case. The facts are presented, the witnesses are brought together, right? And then you have to make a decision. And the Holy Spirit has been involved in human society, convicting them of the, the futility of sin that it doesn't work and introducing them to righteousness that's available through Jesus Christ. And ultimately that there is going to come a reckoning. So we have a window of opportunity here uh, in God's, uh, on God's timeline, all right? That I think God is giving humanity an opportunity to wake up. Yep. Oof, praise the Lord, hallelujah. <laughs> That's where we are. <laughs> and all that on a happy Father's Day. So, I think we've got a minister. Yes. And we've got yes. to go to that minister who's going to invite you to become part of the family of God. You to be born again so that you can see the rule of God right here on earth right now. I, I always say this walk is not an easy walk, but what walk is? Uh, what uh, life journey is easy and but the thing about it is, it is possible. And like Minister Lisa said, you don't want to be free-ish. You want to be free. Hmm. And through the kingdom and the blood that was shed and the resurrection of this Jesus Christ, you shall be free. So if, you, if that's you, text SAVED to 631-250-2668 or call 718-306-1061. And welcome, welcome, welcome. Yeah, I love your, your, your passion. You want people to be excited yes. about God, about yes. their relationship with God. Yes. That's something that no matter what you're doing, whether it's apologetics, pastoring, <laughs> no matter what it is, it, 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 it really comes out. Why? Why is that so important to you? I, I, because growing up in a church, one of the things you know, I, I observed is that there was an idea that Christianity is not uh, fun. And I believe Christianity is fun. I believe that, you know, if you follow this path and you live it out authentically, that you'll find it being fun, this freedom. Of course, there's certain things we can't do. But not, that's not just because it's a Christian thing. It's just a, a, a social order that should have been looked upon by the standard that God set to help protect us from certain mm -hmm. things. Uh, you know, and I think people don't like to feel accountable, but I believe that accountability is a very big thing that leads you on a road to success. 
and being a Christian, I think it's just fine. It's amazing. I love being a Christian. You know, and, and, and when I look at all of the worldviews, Christianity fits the best worldview that speaks to the reality that we live in. Yeah. Amen. Amen. I hope you were going to write about that. That passion. Because, yeah, I mean, we all, you know, I want people to learn and grow and understand. You mm -hmm. want people to get excited yeah, about this. Let's go. We're going to be. And, you know, we become, brand, we become branded by those things. Mm -hmm. And that's how we do everything that we do. So it's been great, man. Yes. I always appreciate your, your contribution, um, our relationship. And listen, don't think that, that we always get along. We butt heads. <laughs> He's a young man with his own individual opinions and ideas and understanding, and I am my own person as well, but we learn how to work those things through, to talk. We learn how to manage those boundaries of respect, and that's what builds our relationship, and it's true with all of my sons. I try to maintain that. Let them be their own person. Let them be a man, but always be there for them in any way, any way that I can, and model the best that I can the type of father or the type of man that they should be. So thank you, man. Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's I Day. I love you. Love you too. I'm proud of you. <laughs> this is where he gets messed up and he can't finish the... the no, this service. is the end of the service. <laughs> uh, I'm excited. Looking forward to seeing you next week. Same time, same channel. <laughs> yeah. And um, as we leave this place, we know God's presence. Jesus, Jesus is Lord, period. period. We, we believe it. We proclaim it. it. And we're seeing it come to pass. God bless. Enjoy the rest of your week. And don't forget, next Saturday, the 26th, is our summer fest. So please, if you haven't registered, please register. And you can get the login and have fun with us virtually next Saturday at 2 o'clock. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the A.R. Bernard podcast. I hope you were enriched by the information and or the conversation. Make sure, subscribe by clicking the link in the bio to gain more information about me and the work that I'm doing. Again, thank you and God bless.